Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Happy Resurrection Day. Feliz Dia de la Resurrección. Feliz Pascua, right? Happy Easter. Tap somebody and say, he's alive. <laughs> and it's my privilege to share God's wonderful word with you today. And um, uh, as usual, if you would like to follow along the outline of the message, there is a printed outline available in the preaching box there in the back left corner. And you can also, uh, also always follow along our preaching uh, outline in your Bible app. Just go to the events section, choose Encounter Church, and you can follow along the outline that way. Y como siempre, también todo está disponible en español. Si hay alguien que necesita traducción al español, por favor, repórtese allá atrás donde está el sonido y le pueden proporcionar unos audífonos para la traducción. All righty. Well, one more time, Happy Easter. Can we shout Happy Easter? Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. This is the last chapter in the gospel of Matthew. And we're going to read through this uh, and uh, if you're new here at Encounter Church, let me teach you something that we do here. Whenever we read the scripture, if I come to a pause, you say the word, but you don't just whisper it. You say it with, with oomph, okay? So as we read through it, every time I pause, it's easy because you could just follow along on the screen. I want you to say the word. All right, so Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 10. Early on Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him and fell into a dead faint. I'm not sure biblical angels are the little cupids that we draw, right every time in the bible almost every single time in the bible when an angel appears people are are shocked and afraid right it says that they fell into a dead faint then the angel spoke to the women don't be afraid he said i know you're looking for jesus i know you're looking for him who was crucified he isn't here He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come. Okay, let's try that again. Come see. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there remember what i've told you the women ran quickly from the tomb they were very frightened but also filled with great joy and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message and as they went jesus met them and greeted them come on say encounter easter <laughs> Jesus met them as they were going to tell everybody else. 
I can promise you, if you go tell people about Jesus, Jesus will meet you. Okay? He met them as they were going to, to tell everybody else that he had risen. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. He is risen and he wants you to more than just know this. Jesus is risen and he wants us to more than just know and recognize and accept this as a fact. He wants you to see him and meet him. Jesus wants you to encounter him. See, Easter is more than just remembering and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easter is about understanding what the, rev what the resurrection actually implies for us. Easter is more than just knowing Jesus rose from the dead. Easter is experiencing the resurrection of life, resurrection life of Jesus in our life. Easter, the resurrection was the final proof of who Jesus really is. Jesus had shown in many ways who he was by living a perfect sinless life, by healing the sick, by raising the dead, by opening the eyes of the blind, by opening up deaf ears, by casting out demons, by doing miracles. He had proven in so many ways who he was. But then he went to the cross and so many people thought, well, I guess not, right? But the resurrection is the proof. Come on, turn to somebody and say, the resurrection is the proof. The resurrection was the final proof of Jesus' identity. If there was any doubt about who Jesus was, the resurrection proved who Jesus was as the Son of God. Easter is the fulfillment of the Lord's good plan. Now, again, if you're new at Encounter Church, it might be new to you that I make you talk, but I'll make you talk, all right? I make you talk. I don't just like to preach by myself. I like you guys to help me out. So I want you to turn to somebody and tell, tell them, the Lord's got a plan. And it's a good plan. So I'm, I'm going to make a preacher out of all of you here eventually. <laughs> Easter is the fulfillment of the Lord's good plan. Now, not just any plan. The Lord has lots of good plans, right? The Lord has lots of plans. In fact, in Jeremiah, it says that, that, he, has a, that he has plans for us, for hope and a future, right? But not just the plans of the Lord, but today we're taking a look at the plan, okay? The plan, the Lord's good plan. And when we encounter Easter, we discover and experience the Lord's good plan. When we encounter Easter, we receive the benefits of the Lord's good plan. Does anybody out there got a good plan for anything? Does anyone have a good insurance plan? You switched to Geico. Great. All right. Very good. I'm still with Jake from Steak Farm. All right. Anybody got flow? Nobody going with the flow? All right. Well... That has nothing to do with Easter, but have you ever 
experience the benefits of any sort of good plan. Maybe it's a plan of vacation. I don't know. Maybe it's a plan, a financial plan. Maybe whatever. But we have to understand that Easter was actually the, the, the period or the exclamation point at the end of the Lord's good plan. And when we experience the power of Easter, we get to experience the benefits of God's plan. So what plan are we talking about? The Lord's good plan. For this today, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament who lived and prophesied approximately 700 years prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody, say B.C. I'm not talking about the headache powder now. Before Christ. And what we're about to, to read, I don't know, every time I read it, my mouth just, my jaw just drops. And I'm like, this was written before Christ? 700 and some odd years before Christ, and it is actually a prophetic snapshot of Easter, okay? Isaiah 53 is a prophetic picture of what would happen about 750 years later on what we now know as the day of resurrection or Easter, right? Isaiah 53 uh, was one, is one of 351 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, okay? Now, what is a messianic prophecy? Well, all throughout the scripture, all throughout the Old Testament, from the very beginning of Genesis, because of sin, okay, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute, God began to reveal his good plan to redeem us, to save us, to restore us back into relationship with him. And he began to reveal that the way that this would happen is that because of our sin, we couldn't ever save ourselves that he would eventually come in our shoes in our flesh he would come as a human and become the one and only acceptable sacrifice so that we could be forgiven of our sins and be saved right and he began to reveal that that, that he would come and in 351 different occasions in the old testament it's like god is pointing his finger when this happens he's the one okay point your finger Say, when this happens, he's the one. Okay, so Isaiah 53, in my personal opinion, is probably the most vivid messianic prophecy that was fulfilled. Now, as I read it, I want you to tell me who you see. All right? As we read it. Wait, when was this written? 700 B.C. But as we read it, tell me who you see. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Pause. He grew up in a dry desert, and he was the son of a carpenter. Nothing extra extraordinarily special, at least in Jesus' culture, about him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. 
Anybody gone through some deep grief before? Has any one of us ever experienced some sorrow? He was acquainted with it, with the deepest grief. The next scripture says, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we didn't care. Remember what we do when I pause? Are we ready for this? Yet, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his, for his own sins. That's how he was treated by the religious people of his day, right? But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus wants to heal you and make you whole today. All of us, all of us, with none excluded, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've all left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Never defended himself. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short midstream. Let's believe that Jesus was about 33 years old when he was crucified. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. <laughs> but he was put in a rich man's grave. That could have never been made up, y'all. <laughs> he was treated and murdered like a, he was, he was crucified like a criminal. He was tortured and crucified like a criminal. And then Joseph of Arimathea decided that he was going to go put him in his own tomb. A rich man put a criminal in his own tomb. When was this written? Oh, come on, somebody. Who do you see here? Come on, I'm beginning to see Jesus. Can you see Jesus yet? We ready for the next one? I, I, when I pause this time, you can't, don't, don't just say it softly. You got to shout it. Are we ready? But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he'll have many descendants. Wait a minute. He will enjoy a long life that 
didn't it just say his life was going to be cut short midstream? I don't know about you, but I see the resurrection already right there. His life was cut short midstream, but once he did it, he's going to enjoy a long life. In fact, everlasting life, right? Whew. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Did you know that when you repent of your sins and you receive forgiveness and you're born again and receive a new life, that he, he's overjoyed and satisfied. It was worth his sacrifice just for you. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he'll have many descendants. He'll enjoy a long life. And the Lord's what? Good plan will prosper in his hands when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish. He'll be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. In other words, many were not righteous and could never be righteous. So the only way they could be righteous would be to be counted righteous by his righteousness, right? Because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. I'll give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. How many rebels this morning are glad that Jesus made the sacrifice for you? Come on, let's give him a shout of praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, one more time. Who do you see in Isaiah 53? I see Jesus. I hope you can see Jesus. Now, Easter is the fulfillment of the Lord's good plan. What plan? His plan to save us, to redeem us, and to give us everlasting life. Easter is the victory over the curse, right? What curse? Well, the Bible describes what happens to humanity when Adam and Eve sinned, when they opened the door to sin. You know, God never created the world to be the way it became. God created a perfect world with perfect order and a perfect relationship with Him. There was never meant to be death or sickness or sorrow or terrible storms or tragedies. No, God didn't make it that way. But because we rebelled against God, this terrible thing came upon the earth called the curse. All right? Now, is it okay to say some curse words in church this morning? Why are y'all looking at me like that? I always have to make sure you're still with me. All right. We're going to talk about four curse words today. Okay? In fact, they're all the S word. Stop it, y'all. The curse that came upon humanity, and let's, let's apply it personally, 
when we look at this, this comes upon each and every one of us, okay? And the resurrection of Jesus won the absolute victory over these four things that comprise the curse, okay? Easter is the victory over these things, and we're going to take a look at it, all right? Who's ready for four curse words? I want you to turn somebody to somebody and get ready to cuss at them, all right? Because in the South, we don't curse. We cuss, all right? All right, you ready? Turn to somebody and say, sin, separation, sickness, sadness. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 reveals that when the Savior, the Messiah, would come, he would win the victory over sin, separation, sickness, and sadness. I don't know about you, but I want to be free from sin, separation, sickness, and sadness, right? This is the result of our rebellion against God. You say, what rebel? You and me. The Bible says we've all sinned. We just read it in Isaiah 53. We've all abandoned God's way and gone our own way. Yes or no? See or no? Right? Rebellion, our rebellion, our turning our backs on God brought into the earth and upon every one of us sin, separation, sickness, and sadness. Four things God never intended for us. And the four things Jesus, when he went to the cross and died and then rose from the grave, he beat these four things forever and ever. Let's talk a little bit about the first one, sin. Sin is simply disobedience to God. I don't think I have to talk a lot about it today. Because I think, I, at least I hope all of us understand that at some point, in one way or a thousand, we have disobeyed God. Yeah. Just take the Ten Commandments, for example. And there's a whole lot more to it than just the Ten Commandments. In fact, God gave us over 600 instructions and laws in the Old Testament to show us how rotten we really are, right? So read the Old Testament and you say, I don't get all this. This is kind of weird and, and, uh, and, and horrible. The Old Testament is a horrible, wonderful story. <laughs> the whole reason God gave us the law and the commandments was to show how rebellious we are. See, we were already rebellious. Every one of us, we don't, we don't even need to be taught how to sin. Come on, somebody. If any of you have children or have ever been around children, you know you don't have to teach them how to disobey. Hello, right? And ever since sin entered into humanity, it's been passed down. No, you don't carry Adam and Eve's sin. You carry your own. Okay? Adam and Eve simply opened up the door for sin to come in. But it's been multiplying ever since. 
As we've multiplied, sin has multiplied. And sin is something that we could never, ever, ever defeat. In fact, when you sin, it leads you to sin more. I found myself in a downward spiral before, have you? You ever done something you knew you shouldn't have done and then tomorrow you did something even worse? You ever said something you knew you shouldn't have said and that led you to act in a way you shouldn't have acted and that led to worse? You ever started by telling a little teensy-weensy innocent lie and then ended up in a total deception? See, that's the way sin works. There's no such thing as little sins and big sins. Sin is sin. Sin is simply disobedience to God. It's saying, this is what you say, God. You know what? I'm going to do my own thing. I mean, if there was a, the simplest definition of sin, it's basically telling God, I'm going to do it my way and not yours. Right? Anybody in here done that before? The amazing thing is, Jesus never sinned. Jesus is known as the Son of God and the Son of Man. Why? Because he was the Son of God. Literally, the Bible describes him, right? Jesus is the living Word of God. He is God with a face on. When Jesus told it that his disciples asked him, show us the Father, he said, I've been with you this whole time. Hello? Right here. You've been looking at me now for three years, following me around. When you see me, you see the Father. The Bible says Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. He's the expressed image of the Father. You see, God has revealed himself throughout history, throughout humanity, but he didn't want to just leave us with words and miracles and judgments. He wanted us to see himself with a face on. And Jesus came to show us who God really is. But in order for us to be able to see him, he had to come as one of us. And the Bible talks about Jesus being tempted like we are. In fact, the Bible is clear that Jesus was tempted in all sorts of ways, in every way like we are. Yet he never disobeyed his father. He never disobeyed. And because of that, because he never sinned himself, he became the one and only candidate to carry upon himself your sin and my sin. Because he didn't have any sin of his own, he could carry ours. It was my sin. Come on, say it. It was my sin. I want you to say it again. Let it hit you. It was my sin. It was my rebellion. It was my wickedness. It was my disobedience that Jesus carried upon himself because I could not pay the penalty. The most terrible thing about sin is the second one, separation. See, God created us. And maybe this is news to you. Let me tell you, it's very good news. The very, very bad news is sin and sickness and all that, but there's really, 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 really good news that you have to understand. God never created you to be far from him. 
God created us to live in harmony with him, to live in a relationship with him, to know his voice, to know his love, to know how much he values us, to enjoy his presence, to enjoy his creation, to enjoy his blessings. But sin brought separation. We know that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden in a perfect relationship with God. With a, in, listen, in a perfect relationship with each other. And in a perfect relationship with the animals. And the trees. And the earth. And the weather. And all of that. How far have we come? <laughs> Not only is there separation between God and us, there's separation between us. Oh, we're living a vivid example of what separation looks like right now in our nation. Come on, somebody. But y'all, that's sin. That's all because of sin. Sin separates us from God, where we can't really know him. We can't really hear his voice. We can't know how loved we are. We can't feel his love. We can't feel his, his presence is there. But we can't experience him because he is holy and sin cannot be in his presence. It's not that he doesn't want us in his presence. It's because we can't carry sin into his presence. Separation. Sin brought separation between God and us, between each other. And sin, well, threw the world into chaos, right? But when Jesus was on the cross, I don't know... Maybe you heard it on Good Friday or saw it on some TV special or maybe you just know what the Bible says, right? Because careful what you watch on TV, especially about Jesus. All right. They say all kinds of nonsense. Jesus, when he was carrying our sin, okay, it says there came a point where he cried out, my God. My God, why have you abandoned me or forsaken me? Literally, when God saw Jesus carrying your sin and my sin upon himself, God could not be with Jesus any longer. He had to leave him. He had to abandon him. He had to forsake him. But it was for our sakes. Because Jesus didn't just carry our sin upon himself, he carried our separation. And when we come to Jesus, the separation is removed and we are restored back into relationship with God. And let me, let me give you some hope too. Not only can you be restored to a relationship with God, we can be restored in relationship with one another. Because what separates us is sin. It's not your color, it's not your race, it's not your political opinion, it's not your, your, where, where you grew up, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're black, if you're white, if you're, it's none of that. None of that's what really separates us. What, what really separates us and brought about all that chaos in the first place is we're all a bunch of rebels. Until you meet Jesus. And then you become a new type of rebel. 
And nowadays, it's becoming more and more evidently clear that we really have to be a rebel, a counterculture, go against the grain and against the flow of society, right? I better keep moving because God forsook Jesus. God abandoned Jesus. God separated himself for Jesus for a moment so that Jesus could carry our separation on himself. So that he could restore us back to him. The amazing thing is he also carried physical sickness. And I felt this so strongly as I was preparing this week. God is going to heal sick bodies today. There will be miraculous healings today in the house. Maybe even if you're watching online and you're sick, God wants to heal your body miraculously. Why? Because we just read it. It says he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed another translation of this says this and i love the first word of it it says surely come on somebody something tell somebody not maybe surely it says surely beyond the shadow of a doubt surely he carried in his own body our infirmities And by his wounds, when he was beaten with the cat of nine tails, when he was tortured before he was crucified, by his stripes or wounds, we were healed. And let me tell you, if we were healed, we are healed. Not by his wounds, we will be healed. By his wounds, in the very moment he was beaten for us, he carried in his own body our sicknesses. And in that moment, we were healed. So if we were healed, we are healed. And today you can be healed. Even as I say this, I feel like the Lord's saying he wants to get rid of somebody's migraines. In fact, it's three of you. Three of you suffer with continuous migraines. You get about one every week or two weeks. And he wants to heal you today. He wants it to stop. In fact, he already carried that migraine in his own body. I don't know what it is inside of somebody's body, but is this the right or the left? This is the right side, right in here. Whatever organ is in there, you have an issue. He wants to heal you today. Okay? And I feel like there's probably going to be some more words of knowledge about this as we get to our prayer time. But I just want you to understand, Jesus carried our sin. He carried our separation, but he also carried our sickness in his own body. And by his wounds, we were healed. And finally, the fourth word, sin, separation, sickness, but he also carried our sadness. Back to Isaiah 53 says he was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. And all of us have experienced sadness in some way. Some more than others. Some way more than others. Every one of us has lived a different life. We've all gone through different things. Let me tell you. 
as small or as deep as your grief may be, he carried it. He carried it. If your sadness has been small, he carried it. If your sadness has been so deep, no one else could ever even begin to understand, he understands. Because he carried it upon himself. And he can not only heal a sick body, but he wants to heal broken hearts. In fact, when Jesus died, they were surprised that he had died so quickly because if you read it, he didn't just die. He gave up his spirit. The Bible says he shouted out, it's finished, right? And in that moment, he was carrying upon himself that sin, that separation, that sickness, that sadness. And once he carried it all and he was, he was hanging there crucified, he knew the price was paid. And he shouted out, it's finished. The price is paid in full. That's what it means. Tetelestai. It means it's been paid in full, right? It's finished. Nothing else needs to be done to forgive us of our sin. Nothing else needs to be done to restore us back to relationship with God. Nothing else needs to be done for us to be healed. Nothing else needs to be done for our heart to be healed. But they, they were surprised that he had died so quickly, so they decided... Let's make sure. So they took a spear and they jabbed it up into his side and it went up into his heart and it literally ruptured his heart because it says that water and, and blood flowed out together. The only way for that to medically happen is if the heart has literally like busted. Okay. And this is such a powerful image of what Jesus died for. He died to heal our broken hearts. Because listen, sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from one another. Sin brought sickness into our bodies. Sin literally brought sickness and disease into the world. But sin also destroys our heart. Our heart that was made for God. Our heart that was made to be loved. Sin destroyed it. And Jesus... Jesus carried it. Come on, say he carried it. Jesus carried sin, separation, sickness, and sadness when he died on the cross. But Jesus defeated sin separation sickness and sadness when he rose from the grave because he carried it we no longer have to carry it now listen until we give it to him we're still carrying it we have to look to him we have to turn to him we have to turn away from our sin We can't just continue to live the same life and the same sin and just continue to do the same thing and be set free from all of this stuff. We have to, the, the first message Jesus uh, 
preached was repent of your sins, which means turn away. Just turn away from your sin. And look to God, right? If you look to him who carried it, it'll be taken off of you. Because Jesus defeated sin, sickness, separation, and sadness when he rose from the grave. That's why, uh, that's why Easter is the victory. The resurrection is the victory. And so we talk an awful lot about the cross. Thank God for the cross because that's where the price was paid. That's where the penalty was paid. But thank God for the resurrection because that's where the victory was won. So what happens to sin, okay? What do we, it's, it's like a trade-off, right? When we turn to Jesus, when we repent of our sins and we turn to Jesus and we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, Sin gets traded for what? What does sin become? Forgiveness, right? When we come to Jesus, sin gets traded for forgiveness. And some of you today need to experience the forgiveness of your sins. You're walking around heavy, carrying the heavy burden of sin, and you need to be forgiven. You need to know that you are forgiven. But the only way to be forgiven is to turn and surrender to Jesus Christ. What happens to separation when we turn to Jesus? Separation gets traded for closeness. Closeness with God. What we were created for in the first place. Sickness, well, we get to trade that for healing and health and sadness. Oh, we get to trade it. Not for temporary happiness. We get to trade our sadness for joy. That is the victory of the resurrection. The question today, are you still carrying your sin, separation, sickness, and sadness? Or have you trusted in him who carried it for you? Have you turned to Jesus and trusted in him? Have you experienced the victory of Easter? The victory of the resurrection? I'll go back to what I said at first. Easter is more than just knowing Jesus rose from the grave. Easter is experiencing, encountering forgiveness closeness, healing, and joy. That is the victory of Easter. Today, you can encounter the victory of the resurrection. Listen, Jesus rose again so you and I could be born again. He doesn't fix our old life. He gives us a brand new one. My friends, our old life is not fixable. <laughs> we get to trade our old life and receive a new one. Because he rose again, we get to be born again. 
And if you've never been born again, today is your day to be born again. Today, do you need prayer? Listen, do you need prayer to overcome sin, separation, sickness, or sadness? Today, I really felt so strongly that God wants to bring salvation. That God wants to replace your loneliness with closeness. God wants to replace your sickness with physical healing in your body. God wants to heal broken areas in your heart. In fact, for this, I want to ask the worship team to be ready, but also any of our available uh, pastors. And I may need to call on some more of you to come. In fact, I, pastors that are available right now, just come join, join us up here at the front. Let's all stand. I want to ask, I know it's the end of service, and that's always an easy time to get distracted and move around and run off to the restroom, but if you would just, just for another couple of minutes, if you could, just bear with us. Try to block out any distraction that would keep you from hearing the voice of the Lord right now. Maybe if we could, everyone, let's just close our eyes because this is something very personal. <laughs> it eventually becomes known by the whole world, <laughs> but you first have to make a personal decision for Jesus. We're going to pray for the four different areas for everyone who needs it. But the first one, today, if you need salvation, if you need salvation, if today you say, I need to be born again, today I need to be forgiven of my sins, I want today to ask forgiveness of my sins, I want to be, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Today, I want to make the decision to turn away from sin and to surrender my heart to God. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Today, I want to receive a new life. If that's you, would you just pop your hand up really quick? I want to know who you are. All right, who else? Praise the Lord who says, that's me, all right? Praise God for you. Anybody else say, that's me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else say, that's me. Listen, 
But, but before I move on to the other ones, if maybe if you used to love Jesus or you used to serve Jesus or maybe one day you say, I, I was born again or I got saved or whatever, but I've walked away from God. I've been backslidden. I've been far from God. But today I want to come back home. I want to give my life to Jesus again. If that's you, would you just pop your hand up real quick and say, that's me. Today I want to come home to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, before I invite you and others up to pray and to pray for a few other things, I want to invite the whole church family to pray this prayer together. Now, listen, I'm going to invite you to repeat my prayer, but these are not magic words, and just repeating it won't do the, 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 the magic, okay? You've got to mean it. So if you want to switch up some of my words and change them for words of your own, I want to invite everyone in the house to pray this prayer together and if you're praying it for the first time or you've been backslidden and you're coming home say it with your whole heart Lord Jesus Christ come on let's say it all together Lord Jesus Christ today I make a decision to turn from my sin Father forgive me I believe Jesus carried my sin upon himself he died on the cross and when you died Jesus you carried my separation from God today Jesus I turn away from sin and I turn to you I surrender to you I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord Jesus Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today, I am born again. I receive a new life. Everlasting life. Jesus, help me to follow you as your disciple the rest of my days. Today, I am a new person with a new identity and a new life. Jesus, I belong to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord Jesus a hand. Thank you, Lord. Now with that, those of you that raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, but today you got born again, or you were backslidden, and you made a decision to come home to the Father, we'd like to pray with you, okay? And if I need more prayer people, I will call on more people to come pray. We'd like to pray with you, but there are a few more things I want to pray for. And I'm just going to go ahead, before we enter into a time of worship to close out our service, I'm going to go ahead and give the opportunity for all four things I want to pray for. First is that one. And you can begin to come in it whenever you want. If today you made a decision to, be, to, to receive Jesus as your Lord, come, we want to pray with you. But also today, if you have been lonely and you need the Holy Spirit to come and fill your heart and show you you're not separated, He wants to fill your heart with His love today. The third one, if you need a physical healing in your body, whether it's a minor sickness or an incurable disease, whatever it is. Today, we want to lay our hands on you. We want to pray for you to be healed in your body. And finally, if you 
have been carrying around lots of sadness, depression, a broken heart, today we'd like to pray for the Holy Spirit to touch you and fill you and comfort you today. So if you need to be saved, if you've been backslidden and you need to come home, if you need God to touch your lonely heart and fill you with His presence, if you need healing in your body, or if you need healing in your heart, just come as we worship and we will come and pray for you. our discipleship group leaders if any of if you're a discipleship group leader and you're available to come pray come help us pray the Lord is moving in hearts he's healing bodies he's bringing salvation he's bringing deliverance he's healing broken hearts today come on all of our discipleship group leaders that are available come help us pray if you need prayer for anything if you need prayer for anything come on we want to pray for you today
Jesus is inviting us for an exchange today. And maybe you feel like, well, I don't have that big of an issue. But I feel like God is saying, come and exchange your trouble. Come and exchange your stress. Come and exchange your depression, your sadness. Come and exchange your lack of purpose. Come and exchange your captivity. Give it to me and I'll give you in return the closeness, the peace, the healing. And how does an exchange happen? To just give it to Him and receive what He has for you. So if you're in the back, I encourage you to lift up your hands and just give it all to Him. Say, I give it to you. I give you the stress. I give you my sadness. I give you my worries. I give you my lack of purpose. I give you my fears. I give you my family. And just wait to receive. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.